DevCom Podcast presents the Fireside Cast with your host, Lars Janssen. Welcome to this episode of our DevCom Podcast series, bringing you the DevCom experience year round. My wonderful guest today is CEO and co founder of Triple Topping Games, and she's also an advisor to the video games fund Kowloon Knights. Welcome, Astrid Revstrup. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. So, Astrid, to kick things off, um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, um, your path in the games industry, how you got into the industry, and, and kind of where you, what you're doing right now, uh, what you uh, work on at uh, both uh, Triple Topping Games and uh, obviously Kowloon Nights, and we're going to dive into more details, I guess, later on. Yes, I think my path into the industry is like many others. Is um, I started I started at game games basically. Um, I always wanted to work with uh, movies, storytelling, uh, maybe become a concept artist or something like that. Um, but and of course I played a lot of games. And after I've been studying launch radar sign. <laughs> I cho I decided that I wanted to actually uh, pivot my uh, my career and see if uh, the game industry was some things for me. So I started at I think my first game jam was Exile Game Jam, which is a small game jam at a folk high school uh, in Denmark. And I really liked working on a team, and I liked that in games you can both like create stories, or you can draw things, or you can manage things, or you can uh, tinker with the tech side of it. Um, and from there on, it just, uh, okay, Exile was fun, let's do the Nordic game jam, let's do global game jam, let's do all kinds of game jam. So um, for a long time, uh, how I created my network, but also my experience came from just attending uh, all the game games I could find both in Denmark, but also been attending game games in other countries as well. Um, for two years, I organized the Nordic Game Jam, uh, which was a lot of fun and introduced me to so many lovely people, not only in, in Denmark, but also the countries around. I think one year we were 31 nations uh, participating. And Actually, at one game jam, I then started creating a game uh, with my friends uh, at that point, uh, Simon Stolhanske. And we learned that, hey, we like working together. Let's do this some more. So for, I think it was a year, we, we kicked ideas around. We talked about like, hey, what if we are to make a company, what kind of place should it be? What name should it have? Um, and then we found it uh, triple topping on February second, two thousand and seventeen. So since and you said since you thought about what kind of name should it have, and you you <laughs> came to triple topping, now you got to explain the name, obviously. So. Yes, I, in the beginning we wanted to be called Banana Hot Dog because that would have looked like a fun logo. Oh, absolutely! But yeah. there is already a games advertisement studio in New York called that with exactly you know Banana Hot Dog logo. Wow. Okay, didn't know that. Um. And I can't remember how exactly it came up with triple topping, but uh, who don't who don't want more toppings on hot dogs or ice creams or whatever? Absolutely. I was thinking about ice cream or frozen yogurt when I heard it for the first time. This massive yeah. bowl of like frozen <laughs> yogurt with all kind of marshmallows and gummy bears and everything on top. Exactly, and I I think that's that is what the game design is. It's like putting all the juice and the sprinkle yeah. on top, um, and it sounds funny. 
and uh, it's hard to pronounce actually, especially if you like me have a very thick Danish accent, triple topping. <laughs> like every time I have to explain my email, uh, Danes, like what again? Um, so we found a triple topic. In the beginning, we wanted to do free to play games actually, um, but we realized that we suck at doing free to play games. So now we do premium games uh, with strong narratives and. Uh, yeah, we have a game coming out soon, which is welcome to look. So, it's, so it seems like that, uh, you know, your first uh, impression of the games industry and what got you curious about entering it is still, you know, strong within you. I mean, it seems like you, you got your, uh, your wishes fulfilled. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have stayed in the industry. Yeah, like I joined the game industry because I always knew that I wanted to have my own business as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I like work creatively. Um, and... It doesn't really matter if you're doing like this kind of game or that kind of game. For some people, that can maybe sound a little bit harsh, but for me, it's also uh, you can really create some interesting workplaces uh, in the game industry. And I think like our first, uh, our first sort of like pitch document of the company was also like we wanted to become the best, uh, the best workplace in Denmark, basically, because you can, you can both, you can have a lot of different people employed in a games company and you can work with so many different things in the games company so it's just if you want to build a company in a creative business like games is the best place to go no matter if you're making free to play or premium games i, I would actually agree I mean, that's the reason that i've been in the industry for many years now i, I just i just love this industry so um what would you say um, makes your company special? Before we go into talking about the game that you actually work on, uh, I mean, you talked about uh, the team and, and how to how to build this environment and you know how to uh, foster a certain culture. So, what is special about triple topping games when it comes to the people? I think what's special, like I think first of all, we didn't have the grand idea of what kind of game we would make, and I think a lot of especially small studios like Sam and I met each other in Game Jam and now they want to do a company. They are the game first. And I think we were we were more the company and, and the employees first before the game. Uh, and that is a culture that is still very strong with us. The games industry, no matter how much I love it, also has like tons of flaws. We, we do crunch. We don't treat people well. We are not looking uh, wide enough to find a diverse uh, team. There's many things we can still do better. And in triple topping, we are working with that every day, even though we are a startup. Often it's like, yeah, yeah, that's for later when we have money. <laughs> but I strongly believe you have, to, you have to work with creating the right work culture from the beginning. So on our webpage, we actually have our employee handbook, uh, but also contract online for everybody to read. And of course it helps us, like lots of people reach out. So it's easy for me to find uh, new interesting people to work with, but it also helps me to actually, uh, it forces me to keep having a, a focus uh, on our company. And if we're doing things correctly, um, like right now we have the situation with Corona, hey, we need to update our handbook because so, suddenly we have a new situation where everybody on the team needs to be on the same page on how we handle these things. Um, and I think that's make, there's a lot of companies that do similar things and amazing things. And I'm following them on Twitter and very inspired by a lot of other companies, both in Denmark and internationally. But I think it's, it is still unique that you just put, put it up there. 
Like this is what we pay people in salary. <laughs> this is when you leave office. Um, so that's yeah. that's all part of the employee handbook that you have online available for everybody everybody to see. Yeah, we have like the contract, which is like all the nitty gritty details, and then mm -hmm. the employee handbook, which have contains everything for like when when do you show up in the morning? Where do we find the information? Uh, how do we expect people to to treat each other and talk to each other at the at the office? Um, our no uh, beer policy at the office, I think, is also interesting. So you have a, you have a no beer policy. I mean, since since beer is pretty <laughs> common at other companies, you got to explain this a little bit. So in the beginning, when founding Triple Serving, like I wanted to make a really good workplace, and I thought uh, because I was young, I was in in my twenties, and so is Simon, and we like hanging out with people, and especially in Copenhagen, the games industry, we have a culture of like going out, drinking together. So I thought like making a good workplace would be. I provide beers for people on Friday. Mm -hmm. That's then they what, have fun. That's what a lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. And like in in Denmark, we even have companies where there's a fridge with beers, just so you can have a beer after office hours. Um, but le learning to work with employees and actually look at what is needed at a company, um, I realized that beers is not what is creating a good work environment. Actually. We have an industry where there a lot of harassment is happening, a lot of sometimes misunderstanding, but uh, also overstepping other people's boundaries. And very often when I read the testimonies of people who have been um, harassed, it have happened at industry parties or company parties. Yeah. Because when you drink, you just you stop paying attention to the people next to you. And... I think it's totally okay to hang out with your friends and go for a beer. But if I want to create a safe work environment, I as a CEO should not be the one putting alcohol on a table. It's totally okay for my coworkers to go out a Friday uh, to, like they would do tomorrow uh, and have beers together. But if I create a culture where alcohol is like the way you hang out together, I'm also creating a culture where some people are actually not included um, yeah. And if you want to make a, a diverse workspace, and if you want to make an inclusive workspace, you have to remember that some people, for various reasons, are not drinking. And it's not uh, being around super drunk people is actually not particularly fun. I learned that when I became pregnant <laughs> and tried, <laughs> went prop crawling at GDC <laughs> uh, because of the fear of missing out. So that's why we have that in. Um, and after announcing that, a lot of people actually reached out to me and told me about their, uh, like, if they had problems with alcohol, being addicted to alcohol. There's even one who told me that, hey, on whenever there's like a Friday bar at my office, I always have to make excuses because I know I can't control it. So I'm never a part of anything social at my workplace. And mm -hmm. that's super frustrating. So, so, that's, so that was something that you didn't have in place in the beginning. It's something that you introduced later on, like uh, like you said. And, and uh, I completely flipped. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair enough. And if you have very good reasons for that, uh, you know, I think it's um, there's many companies out there that are currently, especially in light of you know recent developments in the industry, are discussing this more and more. And I think rightfully so. You know, I, I think every company yeah. should be able to make their own decision in that regard. But I really understand and, and respect your your point of view in that case. That uh, you say, like as as the leader of this company, I don't want to contribute to that uh, and I don't want to provide an environment where people feel like they have to partake in, in these things so um, I really think you're doing 
a great thing there. Um, in, in, you know, in, I think in designing, so. designing a company is a lot like designing a game and you have to think about like uh, what kind of end product do you end with? And uh, as just as well as being like the game designer, game director, being the CEO of a company, it's your responsibility. And you have to take that responsibility. Very often you hear people starting a company because I want to become independent and decide for myself. Yeah. And I just want to remind people as soon as you have employees, you it's like having a 5, 10, 31, 50 kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean the mo the moment you have family. people working with you, I mean you you are like you said you're responsible for them. You have yeah. a you are a servant, you know, you you yeah. you have to make sure that you provide an environment where they can thrive and where they feel safe and uh, you know where they ultimately contribute to, you know, the creative process and the product that, that yeah. you're making, you know. So you said something in the beginning that I that I found interesting um is that you didn't start the company with the game, um but you started with the the company you wanted to build and the culture you wanted to have. So, uh, I mean, you, you said that you uh, met some of um, the people that you work with right now at, at Game Jams. And uh, so how do you, how did you approach new people uh, and how do you, do you approach them right now? Do you pitch the company and the culture or uh, and, and not talk about the game at all? Or do you talk about the game? How was it in the beginning? I mean, did, did you just walk around and talk to people? Hey, I want to build this awesome company. I don't know what kind of game we're making, but, you know, we, it's going to be a great environment. Is that how, you, how you did it? It's, I think, in many ways, the typical startup uh, story, except that, like, we had a game we wanted to make. Uh, we had a mechanic. We had a mechanic for a game. Mm -hmm. uh, but we always knew, like, okay, we're going to make this game. It's going to take us three months. And then we're just going to make another game and another game and another game. We had no idea how we wanted to, like, actually turn that into revenue. So the first game was called Birdie's Adventure. It's still on the App Store, I think, still. Uh, and it was, like, Simon's fun swipe to jump mechanic and uh, my so-so uh, <laughs> uh, design, uh, graphic design of it. And then after, so then we just put it on the App Store and of course like nothing happened. Free to, like nothing happened at all. Free to play. I think we had some ads in. Um, and from there we started to be like, okay, what do we actually want to create to, to build a business? Mm -hmm. Um, but we already at that point working intensively of creating the game in three months uh, had a good idea of like how do we work together, how do we structure a project. Um, we got an office space early on and so on. So at that point, I didn't think we really pitched it. It was just like, yeah, we are triple topping, we make fun things. That was it. And then later on, we started working on the game that became Spitkiss released that we released together with the publisher, uh, Dear Religious. And there we really started to look at, okay, we are making a game called Spitkiss and we are triple topping. And this is, this is what triple topping is all about. So that it sort of came together. And I think that's quite normal for a startup in the beginning. You're just a little bit over the place. Yeah. Um, today, sometimes I pitch only the company depends who I'm talking to uh, other times I'm, I'm pitching the games that we are creating. How many people are you right now on the team? We are eight, eight people. That's a, it's yeah. a that's that's a beautiful size, I think, for for what you're doing there. I mean, at some point, uh, it's what I've realized over the, the past couple of years in the industry. When you grow bigger, then obviously, if you have a certain culture and you and you um, you want to make sure that within the, the core team it stays that way, and you slowly um, you know expand this to to a few more people. At some point, you reach a point where it gets harder and harder because you have mm. you you take people on board that maybe are not 
100% convinced of the same thing and then then it gets challenging so uh you know yeah. appreciate that size of the of the company i think it's really something some great i mean i really like the size we are at now uh i think we still need to for the next project maybe find one one or two more people to join us um and then there's of course like other ideas and plans on how we can actually scale the company but we we had plans of like, okay, if we are scaling, this is how we're going to do it. Uh, so we actually make sure that we have both a diverse team um, and a team that understands the culture. And like posting the employee handbook and the contract is a really good start because if you don't like what you see on our web page, it's totally okay. But then we just not the company for you. Oh, it makes, everybody makes perfect is, sense. Yeah. Everybody is uh, employed on exactly the same terms. Like I'm employed as on the same terms as everybody else in the company so when you uploaded that employee handbook for the first time with all the details on the contracts and everything did you get feedback from your team about it uh where was everybody like super happy and excited that you are like fully transparent or were there people like i'm not so sure about this you know should we redo this um at that point we were a little bit smaller team that helped um the employee handbook is actually something we make together with the team mm -hmm. in a way like Something like not having alcohol at the office. It's not that I'm just like, today I decided no alcohol at the office. It actually comes from conversations around the team. Uh, when have people experienced um, situations where they felt unsafe in the game industry and what can we actually do to prevent us being in... in of course, you need to have high, hire people who are not like idiots. <laughs> um <laughs> But also, how do we actually, how how can we actively work on this? Um, so, a lot of the handbook is also a constant debate, and I think some it's like a working document. It's never said this is how we're gonna do it the next ten ten years. Um, but it's like an agreement between all of us. This is how we work together. And I think that's beautiful. I mean, if, you, if, if like I said, in, in not only in the podcast series, but also in general in the industry, I talk to many um, developer uh, teams of all sizes, and um, you know, a lot of them are thinking about how can we, how can we create an environment that people feel uh, they're part of it, they contribute to it, they're psychologically safe in that environment. And I think you, you're doing it with your team. So I always like uh, showcasing those examples um, for people listening to this podcast and then going to, to conferences um, to uh, really understand what others are doing about it. So are you also exchanging with others in the industry that, that do similar things? And, and how, how do you get your, your inspiration for you know, the culture you want to build? So I hope I hope my I hope my team agree <laughs> with that we have a safe environment. Um, but yeah, in terms of like how to find inspiration and what to do, of course I I speak a lot with uh, with friends who also run companies. Uh, I have a good friend uh, who is also running a studio in Copenhagen, and he's also very concerned about like how how do we actually they're like scaling up. How do we actually do this in a good way? So often we have like talks back and forth, like, oh, what did you do? How did you do pension? <laughs> yeah. How do you how are you going about finding the right people and so on? Um, then I follow uh, companies on Twitter that I can see are doing similar things. Um, I have never read a book. This is how you do good work environment. I go very much by gut feeling. And then I actually often also uh, ask my dad for advice. Like he is this uh, old uh, union construction <laughs> worker type. 
and he mm-hmm. has a lot of ideas and thoughts about how do you actually work with uh, with people um and i think it's in general it's important to look at other industries uh for inspiration there's also definitely industries where i'm i'm not looking like the the tech or app industry where it's like ah let's say scale super super fast and we need to you need to be dedicated young and smart that kind of (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've all heard that before and usually it doesn't end well (laughs) (laughs) and usually it's just like lots of people in crunch and uh, leaving a company uh but maybe you made money on the way um and i think i think people becomes before money if you create a good and strong team uh you will of course end up creating good product and then you will also end up having a revenue and then the circle is closed yeah i fully agree with you i mean money is the outcome of if you do everything right if you have a strong team that believes in what you do if you feel passionate about what you do then uh i'm a strong believer in whatever you do Uh, also outside the games industry you know the the success the the monetary success will follow if you believe in in something um but if you start like how can i make money fast then uh you know uh, i don't know if that's gonna go too well you know (laughs) You're probably gonna make a lot of money fast, but you would also see your name on Twitter at some point in an unpleasant mm. situation, and you would also not sleep well at night because you will have to carry the stress of an entire team, yeah. and that's not uh, that's just sleepless nights. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I would really agree with you. So. Moving on a little bit to the the project you work on. Welcome to Elk. Maybe uh, you want to uh, say a little bit about the game and uh, you know and w- what you like about it, what you're trying to build. So, welcome to Elk is based on true stories, uh, which is interesting to work with because it raises a lot of uh, ethical questions when you're working with it. Uh, if you if like. One of the scenes is like a child business witnessing uh, her dad um, getting killed and working with that uh, and creating a mini game actually around exactly that situation is very difficult, challenging, but it's like directing a movie for each of mm. these little stories. And I love working with that. All of the stories uh, are told by my family. So like my mom and dad and, and my brother from their travels and... I try to pick stories that are from places uh, not like uh, the bossy city center of Copenhagen, but more rural places. Um, so those are all stories that, that your parents experienced or, or heard themselves? Yeah. Wow. Um, actually, it started at a Christmas uh, once where uh, I was drinking whiskey with my brother and he just came back from working in Greenland and I think I was home from Paris. And we started exchanging travel stories. And of course, I had like stories about champagne at a bar in Paris and hanging out with friends. <laughs> and like very much the kind of city life, even though cities yeah. in the Western world are different, it's also uh, very much the same. And he was like, yeah. And then uh, he just, uh, this uh, person just went out and shot himself. <laughs> so it's like completely different stories. Um, and all in many ways harsh and tragic stories but i could also feel that these people were that he was his that were his friends were very very warm people um and in many ways uh, maybe they have figured out life better than we have uh, when we are running Mm. around trying to build our companies and (laughs) and uh, make money and they have a great house and so on 
So I wanted to do something with that. And in the beginning, I created my bachelor project around it when I was still studying uh, visual communication. Um, and then when we had to choose a second uh, project for triple topping, we chose to work on Welcome to Earth, especially because we at the time uh, had uh, Murray, who is now actually he became a part of the company and he's also the co-writer and art director on Welcome to Look but at that point he was our intern mm -hmm. <laughs> and he had this amazing skill of uh, illustrating stories in a way where it can be tragic but still uh, told with a little little glimpse of humor or and hope um, so he was the right person to help us uh, create this project. So are there stories that you talk about all interconnected somehow? Or are you trying to tell like an overall, like a, like a um, big story where all these little pieces contribute to? Or what's the, what's the path of a player through that game? It's one linear narrative that uh, I, uh, I wrote it in the beginning and then Murray contributed mm -hmm. more and more. So like he wrote, we came up with new background stories for the characters. We came up with new names. We switched some roles around because, of course, you wanna, you don't wanna put, you don't want people to be recognized at all uh, when a story is like this. So uh, a lot of been sh shuffled around, and I think no one would be able to actually recognize it except that there is a true core to all of the stories. Mm -hmm. So we took all of these two stories and wrote them into one linear narrative, but. The events happening in a story, when we tell that exact event and not all of the, all, everything around the person it's happening to, it's very true to its core. And how do you want the, the players to feel? Uh, what kind of emotions do you want to trigger with the game? Without giving the game away. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to spoil. You know? yeah. It's just... yeah. Um, I hope that people would start reflect i hope that people would take these stories with them mm. and make them their own stories and tell them to friends or families maybe at a bar drinking whiskey uh, like my brother and i or simply as hey do you know that once this happened to someone because i think it's very it's a, a core things to all humans to tell stories and um Sometimes we forget to tell our own stories because we're just watching Netflix. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I hope that people will take these stories and actually make them their own because you are in the game, you're experiencing them and it feels like you experience this through your own eyes. Um, so that's that's like what I want people to take away from it. Then that is because of this nature of the game, it's both a lot of humor and a lot of tragic stories. I hope that people can see that sometimes, even though things turn to shit, like Corona, that can it's human nature to still be creative and still look forward and still work together and still uh, create new friendships. Yeah. Um, so that's also one of the points I want to get through from the, people get from from the game. So that's, that sounds great. Is the game already available uh, right now, or is that is it to be released? We have a little uh, little snack bite, or what to say, <laughs> on Steam. Uh, call it Welcome to the First Stories, and mm -hmm. it's a demo we also have used for showcases. And this demo really shows both from like the super fun, ha ha ha, you're playing games, you are there's a mini game, you have to like brew up beer and stuff like that, and to 
the story I talked about before, where uh, the characters are witnessing uh, mm -hmm. the killing of uh, a husband in the game. So you can play that on Steam, and then it's very soon uh, out later this year. Well, that's that's cool. So everybody listening to this podcast right now, you know, make sure that you check it out. I'm definitely uh, going to because it it sounds really amazing, and I and I like what you uh, the, the, oh, the goal. Oh, the demo is also on Xbox. I forgot, but it's oh. also on Xbox. Good to know. Then all the Xbox gamers can, can check it <laughs> yeah. out as well. You know? And it seems like, you know, alcohol is not always a bad thing since they started with whiskey. You know, it seems like, uh, you know, at least in your personal life, you know, this triggered yeah. a little bit of the creativity for, for making this happen. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, there's also something else you, you're active um, on. That's Kowloon Nights. Um, so I want to cover this a little bit. Um, uh, so Kowloon Nights is a, is a video games fund. Why, why don't you tell us a little more about what it is, what it does, and, and what your involvement is there? So Kowloon Nights, uh, we fund games, but it's not like a publisher, and it's not like an investor. Especially uh, indie studios are often asking me this. So a publisher would go and... Uh, um, also help you market the game and dis dis distribute it and get it out there. And uh, an investor would go and take some equity uh, shares of your company. But Counter Knights, we basically provide you with the fund you need to create your game, localize it, maybe port it, and whatever you need to, uh, to actually also market it. So also marketing. Um, and then it's up to you to, to do all the work Basically, of course, we can help you with uh, if you need a PR agency, that's sometimes good to work with or whatever other contacts we have. Uh, but you, it's like, you know, your game and your audience best yeah. is our belief. Um, and then, of course, afterwards, uh, we will take a, a revenue cut. Uh, but we make sure that uh, when the game is out, it actually goes to to your account and not our account, so you can you can eat yeah. uh, and pay rent and whatever, or start creating the next game. So uh, that's what a, that is what a game for this. And um, actually started with Carlo uh, Knights uh, funded Welcome to Earth in the beginning, uh, which was it was an amazing experience to me because at the time when I was looking for Funding for Welcome to Ilk, I was uh, eight months pregnant and I was at GDC and I was running around trying to pitch the game to publishers and also talking to investors and uh, being pregnant <laughs> and pitching a game uh, showed to be uh, really uphill. <laughs> yeah, that must have been quite a sure? challenge for you. <laughs> can you can you release a game and a baby? And I was like, yeah, you know, men release babies in games all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, they they trusted uh, me and the project, so we started working together. And then after some time, and I think it was because I really do care a lot about uh, starting starting companies and working with uh, with indies, uh, I started to work with them as an advisor. Which means that I, together with uh, an amazing team, uh, play a lot of games and evaluate if this is something we are excited enough about to go and uh, fund. So, so how is uh, Kowloon Knights uh, funded? I mean, is, is that, uh, are there publishers invested in that, that kind of use this as a, as a vehicle? Or is that is that public funds? Or how did that uh, come to life? It's, uh, there are investors that invest in Kowloon Knights, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And then we 
do our best to find uh, amazing, unique projects. Um, and are there, are there like specific genres you look for? Um, I assume that's mostly indie teams or, or smaller teams that are getting started, like your, yourself. Um, okay. I think I think today Come to Elk would actually be on a small scale, mm-hmm. a little bit too small for what we are looking for today. Uh, I, I think it's safe for me to say Carlo Knight put in 150k US dollars. And I think that we are looking for a little bit bigger projects um, mm-hmm. now, but it's uh, it's definitely independent studios. And if you look at our portfolio, there's everything from uh, amazing indie title, garden story, to uh, <laughs> you're like this little cute, um, is that some fruit or something? But yeah, you mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you roam around and explore this world. Uh, to Skull, which is like a horror game, uh, and way more uh, AA uh, leading towards triple A uh, production value. So we fund what we like. We don't do mobile first. We haven't done any VR games. Yeah. So PC and console. So are you more approaching um, developers that you're interested in or do you get a lot of pitches and um, how does how does it usually work? If somebody thinks that Kaloon Knights should fund their game, you know, would they get in touch with you and actively try to pitch or are you more reaching out to them? Uh, of course, if I see something I think is interesting, I would poke people. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you see something interesting and I, I, my colleague Callum uh, is actively doing that, I believe. Um, but uh, you can always send us a pitch through our webpage and there is a, a little bit of guidance of what what would we like to see from you. Like mm-hmm. Having a prototype goes a long way, uh, but knowing your budget and including marketing in your budget uh, yeah. because you are not working with a publisher. You could work with a publisher uh, on top as well, but uh, when you pitch us, you should have like all of the cost included uh, and a pitch deck describing your, your game. Uh, so you can send it from my webpage. Um, which oh. which is? <laughs> Do you have the URL? Uh... <laughs> it's kaolunites.com. Uh, okay, well that's 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 yeah. an easy one. And our names are there, so we you can reach us as well. Uh, especially if you had questions, like mm-hmm. it's uh, totally cool to write an email and be like, hey, uh, I need to know a little bit more before I send my pitch. Uh, we just recently uh, announced our Fairchild initiative, which is run by Kendall. Uh, and that's uh, it's going to support black developers after I think 2020 has been a year for the whole world and also the game industry to reflect a little bit upon how we do things uh, both with uh, COVID-19 but also uh, for me especially Black Lives Matter and so therefore we decided to allocate some of our funds to event for studios with amazing games um, so we can fund in fund black developers as well. Well, that's that, that's really cool that they do that. Um, so you are operating globally with the fund, or do you have certain territories that you're more active in than in others? We are operating globally. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's re- it's really nice. I mean, it's always uh, you know important to learn about different things that uh, like this happening, so that uh, developers that are starting up and need some need funding and are not so sure whether they should go with the publisher or go on themselves that they have alternatives. Um, so yeah. and, and I really like what you're doing there. And people, when you start out, I know that for myself, people is going to give you so many advices and ideas. Mm. And 
it's sometimes it's difficult to ask, but what is equity? <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, those definitely. questions you don't know. Like, of course, you Google it, and then Google will show you some uh, fancy VC uh, pitch uh, thing, mm. and you will be like, hmm, this is not really me. Um, but yeah, there's many way of getting fun- uh, ga- ways of getting funding, and I think it's about finding what fits you best. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes it's, 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 sometimes it's better to work with a publisher if you're like, very yeah. small studio and doing it for the first time so it's interesting you, you you say that because i have the feeling that in our industry sometimes especially when it comes to financing the project that um you know publishers or investors they're expecting developers that actually care about the game that are very passionate about the game to speak their language but um yeah. you know not everybody has that background so when you said some like you know what is equity actually you know i, I mean i have an mba so i know what, what it is you know mm. this is part of what i what i learned but still there are people that uh that do not you know usually work in this environment uh, that don't really care too much about it. they want to they want to make their game and i think it is it is very important that they have a space where they can ask those questions without yeah. being being you know called out like what you don't know that you know how, how can how can we work with you so i i really believe um there's something that our industry sometimes gets wrong and you talked about the the app business before I, i've seen that a lot in that space you know it's all about equity and scaling and uh, and, and numbers mostly uh which for yeah. you know people that are very passionate about the creative product getting into the industry is sometimes just scary can you send me your cap table and it's like Exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's me and my what, friend. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I sometimes see that and I work. I work in the the local, or I support the the, the local um, Bavarian funding here in Germany. Um, uh, you know, and, and and I help them, um, you know, make decisions on what kind of games to invest in. It's it's not like Kaloon Knights because we use public money, but I'm you know mm. also supporting developers there, and uh, we sometimes have those discussions because, of course, if it's public money, there's some you know you need to need some proof for certain things. Uh, but then when you talk to developers, they're like i have no idea what they need <laughs> and so you you really have to support them uh, and i think it's it's very um rewarding if you then see that uh, you know once they, they understand this and they have somebody taking care of this that they can fully focus on the game and create uh, awesome uh, products yeah i think it, definitely and i think if i could give one advice to people who want to start out if you hate looking at taxes and hate reading up on accounting and don't like to look at long contracts, you need to find you a, a good business partner. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because sometimes I get the question from developers, but like, hey, I just want to do my game. And I totally respect that because that's probably what you are best at doing. Um, so why should I focus on all of these things? But you really then get someone who is passionate about it. Because um, they are also out there and then get them on your team. I know it can be a little bit extra on the payroll, or yeah. maybe you will have to share your great idea with someone else, but having your great idea to yourself, but uh, no clue on how to get it out there uh, will not get you very yeah, far. It's, it's, it's not going to lead anywhere. I mean, it's hard to find people that are truly passionate about taxes, but you, like you said, you, you find some of them out there. So, I mean, in, in that light, um, how would you, so, so if a team approached you and, and said like, listen, Astrid, we're not sure about whether we should work with a publisher or do it on our own. Um, how would you, what kind of advice would you give them to, to figure that out? Um, it's a question that I hear a lot. You know, people are not quite sure about uh, whether to go self-publishing or, or to work with somebody already established. Uh, do you think mm. there are certain rules of thumb to, uh, that you could share uh, for when to do one or the other? 
I think you have to look very much as like what is your team and what is their skills. Is there someone at your team that is really good at tweeting, and is always on some subreddit talking with other people, and uh, find the next fun gif or uh, talk a lot, love to creating a press kit? Then I think even though you have not done it before, you have a good foundation of be, of trying out uh, releasing a game on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but if no one on your team cares about showing the game to to the world and thinking about these strategies, uh, then you probably still have an amazing game. But then you should definitely go work with a publisher. And then there's lots of different cases in between that. Where there can be many reasons where you need to work with a publisher. Maybe a publisher can help you reach another region. Like maybe you release uh, in Europe yourself, but then you need someone to help you uh, releasing in China or Japan. And so you go work with a publisher for exactly that. Um, So there can can be many reasons. Um, I think if you are like approaching uh, Kaolo Knights and you're not sure, that's totally okay. I think it's always cool to just like have an honest talk about it. And ask what is it that Kaolin Knights offers, and what do we, what do we not offer, and how does that sound to you? Because it's, it's not only us uh, picking a developer. Like now, I, now I give you money. It's also uh, you that needs to be like, hey, I would actually like to work uh, with Kaolin Knights because that fits me. For me, when working with Kaolin Knights, it was definitely because I was like, hey, I want to. I worked with a publisher before and I want to grow my skills and understanding of the marketing side of the game industry and working with Carlo Nice forced me to do that. Um, and that's been a really great experience. So, so now I constantly do stuff on social media platforms and create campaigns and mm-hmm. uh, follow our steam numbers and analyze them and all of those things. And I know I can become better at it. Of course. Um, I don't know yet, where to go with my next game. They I, I just wanted to ask if, if you're going to go again with Kellen Knights or do something else. They would always be welcome. <laughs> I would not be on the call probably with Pitch. <laughs> um, but it could all, or maybe we self-funded, it could also be an option uh, depending on how the sales goes for Welcome to Elk and we also have Ungen coming out later this year. Um, but there would, for me now, it would more be like, okay, if I can find a publisher that could teach me something new and bring me to the next level then it would make sense to work with a publisher so that's different reasons what what would those what would those things be i mean what are things that you are keen on learning more about what what kind of value do you think a a publisher could really add to uh, i know your team and and your expertise that you already have i think uh, i think i would like to learn more about how i discover the next trends and and understanding especially uh, the different stores and platforms um, that would be something I, I would like someone to like of course I'm reading up and doing my best but I'm yeah. sure there's someone out there that could uh... and I also work with an amazing PR team called Future Friends and they're really good at helping me as well but maybe that could be a publisher it could also be if the brand is cool like why not <laughs> <laughs> So if there are any if cool publishers any out there, cool you know. Publishers out, out there that wants a game like Welcome to Ilk, but not announced, but even cooler. <laughs> even cooler. Yeah. Well, that, that sounds exciting. So so now... You have pub- to scale it. <laughs> Absolutely. So publishers, if you listen to this, you know, make sure you reach out to Astrid about uh, the next game after Welcome to Ilk. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, I, I think it's really great what you do with uh, with Kellen Knights and, and obviously uh, what you've built with um, uh, you know triple topping games and uh, and the games uh, you built. I love hearing those stories about developers that actually created something something really special and uh, company culture, especially these days, is uh, is a topic that you can't emphasize enough. I mean, if you like I said before, if you look at what's going on in the industry, um, there's there's more people like yourself needed that kind of act as ambassadors to the entire uh, industry and, uh, you know, give examples of how it could be done better than mm. uh, what we used to do before. Um, so it's, it's, it's very great to have this exchange. And uh, those are the, the conversations I enjoy a lot. Thank you. <laughs> so with with that, I, I really want to thank you for uh, your time today to uh, you know lead us through your personal journey in the industry and uh, how you built all this up. I think it's amazing what you do. And uh, I hope that uh, the people listening to this episode enjoy it as much as I uh, had recording it with you. Uh, and of course, if people have questions uh, for you, they can, I guess they can reach out uh, to Always. you and ask. So that's, uh, that's, that's really nice. And, uh, you know, again, thank you very much, uh, Astrid. Uh, and, uh, I hope we can uh, reconnect over a either non-alcoholic or alcoholic beverage at some point <laughs> once it's possible to I'm meet again. <laughs> okay. You know, that is, that, that is true, obviously. You know. Thank you yeah. and all, all the best for you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to a DevCom podcast produced by Sven Fossi. Executive producer, Stefan Reichardt. Music by WeLoveIndies.com. Supported by Bayer Dynamic. High-quality headphones, microphones, and conference systems for professional musicians and gamers. Made in Germany.